This morning I want to read from the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 2 through the first part of verse 4. Titus 2, beginning in verse 2. Why don't I go back and read verse 1? I will do that. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger woman. And let's stop right there for today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the word of God and thank you for the opportunities that we've had to pray already. And we thank you for the singing this morning, not only what we've sung, but for the ladies that sang and the challenges that every part of the worship service is to us. And we pray and count it a privilege to open the word of God and pray, Father, that it would be rightly divided and the spirit of God would have an unhindered ministry in each and every one of our lives this morning and teach us and instruct us more of yourself and what you expect uh, from each of us. We commit our study of the word of God with thanksgiving and in Jesus' name, amen. We've entitled today's message, Instruction for Senior Saints. But if you're not, and I use that because we have a senior saints group here in the church as well, but if you're not a senior saint, that doesn't mean you just turn it off and we don't need to listen today. Titus, in chapter 2, verse 1 that I just read, has pointed out the importance of having a life that's consistent with sound doctrine or right doctrine. And at the end of chapter 1 in verse 16 pointed out that false teachers or unbelievers both who profess to know God, they deny it by their works. They deny it. And we know that as we've studied together that it is the gospel. It is not social government. It is not the social environment that can change your life. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in fact, that's the only thing that can change man from the inside out. It is very easy to make a profession of faith. And it will be seen when the life is changed from the inside to the outside. It is a very powerful message to the world, and any of you who have come to Christ can attest of that. And if people knew you from the past, they will see how that has changed, how God has changed you in the thinking, how God has changed you in the way you behave, in the things that you do, in the things that you say. That's what God does. But also we have learned here that a godly life or the gospel in action is a very powerful tool also in the community. How we behave, how the community sees us behaving, how the community sees us reacting, how the community sees us. That is a very powerful message to them. And that is what he's been emphasizing to Titus. Paul is teaching him that those in the island of Crete need to understand. Paul has already addressed the leaders in chapter one. He is address both their biblical qualifications for leadership, and that should be the basis of determining leadership, not the standards of our world today, and their responsibility. Their responsibility was covered in the last message in chapter 2 and verse 1. 
That is that they are to teach. They are to teach that which is consistent so that the life and the doctrine of folks would be everywhere evident. Now as he progresses through the remainder of the chapter, as we already prepared you for it, he is going to move from the leadership to the entire congregation. And he is going to move and address all the groups because we all need to see our importance. We each of us need to see our importance within the body of Christ as to how we function, how we behave, what we do. And we need to see that we play an important role in the body of Christ, every one of us. It matters not how old you are or how young you are. Every single person is important to the body of Christ. And last time, I likened it to a family. I think it's a sad state of affairs today, not only what is going on with families, but when we have situations where the children, if their grandparents are alive or great-grandparents, are not involved in getting to know them. And we don't function together as families. We're so, even in the church, split with uh, this type of group and that type of group and this type of group and that type of group rather than seeing it functioning together. So Paul is giving instruction to Titus so that the churches at Crete would see the importance of the whole body and how it's functioned. So having addressed now the leaders, he moves into the second category and that is the area of senior, and I'm gonna say senior saints because he's addressing it for Titus to be addressing it to the church. Uh, and so I want to make some comments right away regarding older folks and you need to see the importance that you have in the body of Christ and we need to see the importance that older folks have in the body of Christ as well. And then we'll get right into the verses. But uh, some general things that I think we ought to understand and keep in view. I mentioned a couple in closing to prepare you for what would be coming. But I would like you to turn to Leviticus, keep your finger here and go to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19. The first thing that I want to say on living a godly life and, and talking about that aspect, how we all need to have a godly life. In talking about the senior saints, the first thing I want to point out is we need to honor them. Too many folks, you know that that's true even with authority. Children today very frequently do not have the respect or honor for senior citizens, for senior saints, for authority. In Leviticus chapter 19, and there's some verses in Proverbs too, but I won't turn there. But in Leviticus 19, I think it'll suffice. Verse 32, it says, You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. And throughout Leviticus, he's talking about how we honor God. And young folks, you need to see that. It actually said when, you know, when I was younger, and I know things have changed a lot, even regarding manners. But for example, I know with some of the teaching that I got from my own family was if a lady walked into the room and you were a young person, you stood up to honor them. Or if a senior uh, a m a grandmother or a, an older person and people that were neighbors of yours when I was children, now we don't even know our neighbors um, many times. But you honored those who were older. That has pretty much gone out the window today. 
But we need to see that in God's eyes, that hasn't changed. We should have honor and respect and rise up, if you would, before them. We should honor them. Why? Because of their age. Because of who they are. Why? Go with me to Job chapter 12. First of all, because God commands it. Because God commands it. Secondly, go to Job chapter 12. So parents, I would encourage you, you should be teaching your children never to speak out against or to dishonor people that they meet in the supermarket, people that they see as police officers who are aged. They should be honoring that and be taught that. And we need to see it too. Job chapter 12, verse 12. Here's one of the reasons. It says, wisdom is with aged men, with long life, is understanding and that reflects a number of things that are said in scripture what is that saying usually with longevity of life comes wisdom comes maturity comes experience comes patience and people do not get as worried about things as easy as they get older as far as that goes we'll talk about just what happens to the physical being in a, in a few minutes but we need to understand that usually with age comes wisdom. In, in fact, maybe to the surprise of some in this room, although not most, uh, you might want to talk to the older folks because whether you believe it or not, young children that are here, uh, you might be surprised to find out that there's people in this room that at one time only had a black and white TV. You might be surprised to find out that at one time, the people in this room had the milkman come and deliver milk to the house. You might, <laughs> you might find <laughs> that at one time, some of the folks had a rag man go around and collect rags, and some of you are nodding yes, yeah, and had a rag man collect rags, and you're saying, what in the world? And, and there was a time that there wasn't computers. You might find out that some uh, can remember the first time they flew on an airplane and, and that it was uh, when they were very old that they did that. And you might find, you'll never find this today, you know, some people are waving, and you might find that some, uh, some people paid their insurance when the insurance man came to the house with a little book and asked for $5 and wrote it in the book. And you might find out that some of the folks that you know and are in your family had situations where mom and dad would say to the children, can you go down and, and ask the uh, local uh, grocer to give us a loaf of bread and milk and put it on my bill? And then you went down there and they would take out this brown paper bag with a black pencil and they would write on, oh yeah, I know your mom and dad and uh, tell them the bill is now $2.38. And you'd go back and they would trust. Really? That's true stories. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? What? You know? And what I'm saying is, the, see, that's why we need to tap that experience. And usually when they're older, they've been through tragic situations. They've been through loss of loved ones. They've been through very difficult financial situations. They've experienced school or not being in school. They've experienced all kinds of things that have happened that you haven't experienced. And so there's usually wisdom there. It, by the time people get older, they should have a greater love for God by then. They should have a greater love for his people. 
They should have a greater love and appreciation for the work of God and what God is doing universally and in the local assembly. And you would see that, uh, just one quick verse on that, go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. And so this is why, again, as we think of senior saints, we should all be involved. If you have grandparents or great-grandparents, and if you, they're not alive, even your parents, tap them. Talk to them about the experiences they have been through, about the wisdom that they have and what they have faced. In Psalm 92, for example, beginning, I'll pick it up in verse 12 through 14. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. So it's talking about a righteous believer, and that's what leads to verse 14. They will still yield fruit in old age. Now I'm directing it directly to the senior saints. You ought to yield fruit in your old age. That is to happen. They should be full of sap. Not be a sap, but be full of sap. Big difference. And very green. In other words, they've been through so many of life's experience. The tree is full. And they understand. And they should be able to reach out as senior saints and understand how to get into situations and out of situations and through situations and have a sense of calmness about them, that the world is not falling apart. And that should be reflected in senior saints, particularly, but in seniors. Unfortunately now, we know that it's true that some become cynical. It's not always the case that when a person becomes a senior saint, that they're like this, that they, they might have the experience and they might have the wisdom, and all of a sudden they don't have the patience and they lose everything and they become cynical in life. They're always complaining. They're always irritable. That can happen. And part of the reason that happens is because of the normal change that has taken place. It's not a pleasant picture, but let's look at it in Ecclesiastes. And I'm saying this so that all of us would appreciate Senior Saints, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Just the first three verses. And some of you will nod your head yes again. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. And that sometimes happens. Why? He says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop and the grinding ones stand idle because there are few and those who look through windows grow dim and on he goes. I, I'll just stop right there. What's the point? The body gets old. All of a sudden, you can't see as well. You can't hear as well. You can't walk as, as well. There's not as many teeth in the, in, the, in the mouth anymore. And all of that, that's what it's saying. And sometimes, it is because of that that what happens is people get older, they get cynical. They get very irritable, and they get down on things, and they lose focus. They have less energy, less feeling of usefulness. Listen, we need to encourage our senior saints. They are useful, and they still have a big part in the ministry and the work of Christ. Even if it's, they can't do anything but pray, that is huge, and we need to be encouraging them. They become lonely. Many of their friends have passed away. 
Many family have passed away. They need, and they get into the situation like that and it affects them. They become easily depressed. It's, it's easy to happen. They know that they're not that far from the end of life. And yes, it's true, they know that they have glory in heaven, but they also know they're facing the reality of leaving loved ones behind and all of that. That is beginning to happen in their life. And, and so they become, unfortunately, this is also true, and you'd find it in scripture, is sometimes as they grow older, they become less sensitive to sin, even what they're doing. And, and they just get involved in sin very quickly. They need to be careful. That's one of the, the things that we need to encourage them. One last thing before we get into the specifics of the verse is what do you do when you need to correct a senior saint? You need to do it with respect. You need to do it with honor. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. So 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, I want to cover both the men and the woman uh, here from this particular point. It says, do not sharply rebuke an older man. Shouldn't do it. But rather appeal, appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers. We should be looking at the older men as fathers, the older women as mothers and be appealing to them that way. We should respect them and honor them even when there's a correction that maybe is doing in, in, in line. We need to have that approach. Those are some of the biblical instructions. And we need to see right away that it's, they're very, very important to this ministry. Very and very important to the, uh, the body of Christ, senior saints. And we need to respect them, we need to honor them, we need to look up to them, we need to tap them, we need to pray for them, and we need to encourage them to keep on serving the Lord. And if you're in that category, you need to be encouraged to keep on serving the Lord. Sure, it's in different capacities. Sure, it's in different ways. But still, we need to continue to honor the Lord that way. Now, in Titus, back in Titus, if you turn there, in chapter 2 where we are, there are some specifics that are given to us regarding older men and regarding older women. And he will deal with the younger next, and then he will deal with slaves after that. So verse 2, it says, Older men, chapter 2, verse 2 of Titus, are to be. Well, that raises the question, and I'm sure we're all interested. What does that mean? What is an older man. It's not specifically defined in our text, but it is dealing with physical age, first of all. This is not dealing in the context, as you can see, because it goes in a younger woman and a uh, younger man and younger woman and slaves. It's not really dealing with spiritually mature. It is dealing with age. What can probably help us a little bit is it's used in two other places. Go with me to Philemon, that's just before the book of Hebrews, and verse 9. The Apostle Paul, this is right nearby. It's the very next book. Philemon, verse 9. Here Paul, who's writing, if you notice in verse 1, same writer, says this. Yet for love's sake, in verse 9, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, and he uses the same, the aged. 
and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So Paul refers to himself in the same way as an aged man, an older man. Now to the best of my knowledge and to the best research I could do and what writers have pointed out, that Paul was probably in his early 60s. Uh-oh, that just scared some people. But that's probably where he was when he wrote this to Philemon, when you look at his letters and you look at his life and you follow it. The other one I won't turn to, but it's in Luke chapter 1, verse 18. You can mark it down, where Zacharias is referred to as an aged man, an older man, and again was probably in his 60s. If you were to look back to ancient Greece at the time of the writing and what was going on, and you can again do this on your own, this may even shock more people, but they considered a person an older man as soon as they hit their 50s. That was was considered an older and a mature man. So you decide yourself what category you're in. But that'll give you some concept when we're talking about older. Now, what was the expectations? So wherever you are with that, uh, what does a godly life consist of when you get in to that age? What should happen? Well, he tells you. He, he mentions a few things here, so let's look at them briefly. He says, first of all, the older men or the aged men, uh, let's say people in their 60s and beyond, they are to be, and this is the instruction to the local assembly, they are to be temperate. They are to be sober-minded. I think you see that very clearly if you just go to a text again close by. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So you don't just have my take on what the word means. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 to 8, he not only uses the term, but there's an expansion uh, of it. Chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just as a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman and child with child, and they will not uh, escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. I wanted you to get the context. For you all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, so then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. That's the word temperate. For those who sleep, this is important, do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Because, but since we are, not, we are of the day, let us, and there it is again, be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, and hope of the hope of salvation. So to be sober-minded was, yes, uh, to be free from drunkenness, to be free from intoxication, but more, it's the concept of alert. It's the concept of clear-headed thinking. The mature people are the ones that should have the clearer head of thinking. As our children look at us, they shouldn't see panic. They shouldn't see confusion. As our children look at us and others look at us, they should see people who are able to think clearly, who are able to look at a whole situation and not be reactive. And no matter what the circumstances might be, they are controlled. And that's the idea behind temperate. They are clear thinking people. And that's a charge to all of us 
who are older. I'm in that category. I'm in my 60s. And uh, what should mock us is people who can think clearly. And whether or not people think you're thinking clearly, they, they're able to be controlled. Their life, their thinking is in control. They're able to avoid self-indulgence. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. They're able to balance things in life and put things in context and in perspective. And they're not just wasting away. They're involved. Uh, one of the probably most biblical examples to me is John Wesley. John Wesley, I don't know if you know the whole life and story of him, and I won't go into all the depth of it, but when he was 85 years old, he was still traveling on horseback. And he was just discouraged that he couldn't put as much time into it as he used to. But he was still carrying on a ministry for the Lord. So we, they ought to be clear thinking. They ought to be not involved in intoxication or controlled by other factors. Secondly, it says that they ought to be dignified. Senior saints and the men should be dignified, honorable, worthy of respect. What does that mean? It is a picture of a veteran. You know, I, I really feel bad for veterans who come back and they serve their country, and then what happens is they serve their country that they don't even get a thank you, so to speak, from those that they've been ministering to. And, and what happens is we see veterans who have risked their lives. They have been on the forefront. They have been right on the front line of the battle. And people don't even go over. By the way, you should be thanking veterans for their service anytime you see them, even if it's a young person that served. And I thank the Lord in this church. We have many veterans who have served in a number of different wars. They have faithfully served. I think of men, and I specifically wanted to uh, use men who have passed away. But Dr. J.O. Percy, because that's someone that most of you know and remember. There was a, a, it was a man in his late years still carrying on in, in different ways and different ministries. I still remember when Scott and I, uh, we had several lunches with him, but one particular lunch, and at one time he had been a pastor, another time he had been a missionary, another time, and his life kept changing. But what never changed is he kept going on with the Lord. He kept going on and serving the Lord. And, and uh, Manny Mox, some of you remember Manny Mox. Uh, again, another faithful man who went before us. And we could go on with other names. It doesn't mean high class. That's the way sometimes people take this term, dignified, like the high class of, of people. That's not what it is at all. It's just the opposite, in fact. It's just the opposite, uh, thinking that they are better. What it is, and one writer translated this word this way. He said, dignified means they are unruffled. They are unruffled by the circumstances of life. That they, they are able to be carried on. Thirdly, they ought to be sensible. And uh, that is where we get our word self-control from. They are sensible. They are discerning. They are not superficial. They, there's a difference between temperance, that word in uh, the verse earlier, and this one. And let me give you the way one writer defined it to help you. Temperance, and I quote, temperance refers to the ability to have proper perspective on things, on life, on history, a perspective that in turn affects our mental and our emotional stability and reaction to things. Self-control, on the other hand, or the word sensible, zeroes in more specifically on our fleshly appetites, end quote. 
And so when you think about temperate or you think about the word sensible, temperate basically is unmoved. It's stable. It doesn't react and overreact. The idea of sens sensible is that it doesn't give in to its fleshly appetites uh, that wants to always take over. And I think it's probably dealing with that because men have a tendency, usually uh, as men, to be abusive physically in, in that particular sense. The next thing that it says is soundness. And soundness in a couple of areas. Soundness is just like it's used in verse 1. It's the same word. It is to be healthy. It is to be right. It is to be proper. Where? In three areas. So older men, we're called to these things. We're called to soundness in faith. He knows God can be trusted. He knows that he's not going to be moved by whether the economy collapses, whether Obamacare works or it doesn't work, whether uh, the Detroit, uh, city of Detroit goes bankrupt, or if you will, the town of Methuen goes bankrupt, whether situations turn upside down. Their faith is still in God. He knows God can be trusted. He does not question God's wisdom. He is able to continue on in faith, even when he doesn't understand things. He does not limit God's power. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, that was one of the things that was said of Israel, one of their downfalls. They limited the power of God. They looked around at man, and they lost focus on who God was and his ability to deliver them as a nation. That is why it's rather interesting, and you know the whole story. That is part of the reason why a whole generation did not go into the promised land. Only two men did, and there would have been three. The other one would have been Moses. And Moses, with all that happened and all the criticism he took, the reason he didn't go in is he got frustrated with it. And he just said, I've had enough of it, and hit the rock. And so he didn't get to go in either. But that whole generation didn't go in. Why? They'd lost the power of God. The giants are big. The, you know, yeah, the land looks good, but all of these difficulties, and we're small, and we can't do this. And their faith wasn't strong enough. And God said, forget it. All of you will pay the price. And, and they did, except for Joshua and Caleb, who had the faith to say, look at, yeah, there's a big problem. Yeah, they're giants, but our God is greater. And they relied on the power of God. He does not limit the power of God. He knows his faith is in the right person and it is in the right place. That's what we need to do as senior saints, have our faith in the right place. Also in love, he's sound in love. It is defined in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Let's turn there. You know it, but let's turn there. Here's a test of love in our own lives. This is easy because it's easy to always claim that we are loving and someone else is not. Uh, they're not loving. Well, take a look at how the scriptures define love. Uh, a senior saint is to be sound in this way. What is that? Chapter 13, verse 4, love's patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account the wrong suffered. does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what should happen as we have senior saints, that we should learn to be sound in our love. Learn to love even when wronged. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 15, it, Paul said that he was ready to be spent, to spend and be spent. And even though he would be loved less, to continue to love. And that is what should happen as senior citizens. Love is an aspect of loving as Christ loved. And Christ, so he suffered many things, continued to love. It is to be sound in perseverance, third. Go back to Titus chapter 2. Senior citizens, men, we're to be sound in perseverance. That is steadfastness. It's interesting, the illustration, someone very recently was working on the church property. And uh, before they were working on the church property, uh, about a month ago, some people were here and they were making quotes on, you know how the grass is coming up through the tar in some spots, breaking it open and so forth. Well, in James, it, when speaking of this term of perseverance, it says that we had to persevere during trials. And to me, the best illustration of that is a blade of grass. And I'll tell you why. Because the blade of grass, usually what happens, just like did with this parking lot, the parking lot, the tar is put on it, big machines come in, roll it, press it down, push it down, and pack everything down, and then you wouldn't think so, but a little blade of grass eventually breaks that and up it comes. How does a little blade of grass do that? That's what this word means. It endures under pressure. It stands up under pressure. It, that, that's what he means. In our old age, we should be steadfast. We should endure under hardship. We should not be unwavering in trials, James chapter 1. It accepts disappointment. And it truly continues to understand what it means that in Romans chapter 8, 28, that we always quote, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So men, we are called. We are called to continue on. Older men are called to continue on. Continue on with temperance. Continue on with dig to be dignified, sensible, sound in our faith, in our love, in our perseverance. And coupling that with the fact that we said earlier that each of us should be encouraging those who are senior saints to continue on. So those are the things to continue living when? Until death until the Lord calls us home. Don't quit. Don't give up. Continue on. Older women, very briefly, with our time remaining. Older women are found in verse 3 and verse 4. Actually, when we turn right nearby, 1 Timothy chapter 5, it probably better defines certainly women what age is meant there. So this is not Pastor Dan. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, and I won't read the whole text to you, just verse 9. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years of age or 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. And it goes on. This passage is, in Timothy is dealing with the woman, a woman who is called a woman indeed. That is someone who has no family that can help, someone who has no family that can take care of her. And that is the type of person that the church should take on the responsibility of caring for. But you notice again, it was 60, and, and that was the age. So I think we're safe in saying again, the category is probably uh, 60 anyway. Now, how are they to behave? Verse 3 of Titus chapter 2. All the women likewise, first of all, ought to be reverent in behavior. 
So you ladies who are in the category of 60 and older, here's the charge to you as you carry on the ministry in the local church. Don't give up. And this word reverent comes from the word priestly-like. It is to be priestly-like behavior. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it talks about how the woman is to adorn herself, not with outwardness, but with inwardness, and let that be seen. In fact, uh, an unsaved woman is called to win her husband that way, without a word, uh, by their behavior, by the way they act. And so the charge to women is, how is the world observing your behavior? How are they observing how you react? Is it reverent? Is it priest-like? Does it reflect Christ in what you do? The young ladies are looking to you. And our young ladies want to see that in your life. So they can follow it and, and see that as an example. Secondly, he says that they are not to be malicious gossips. They are not to be malicious gossips. Why say this? I think where men have a tendency to physically abuse, women's tendency is to do damage in their speech by what they say. That is very consistently seen in scripture. And what it says is basically women are, the older women are not to be malicious gossips. What does that mean? I think one writer put it better than I can and I quote it. Here's what he said. An older woman, if she's not a malicious, malicious gossip, will not, and I quote, listen to nor promote anything that is slanderous or demeaning. They will not listen to it, nor will they promote it if they are acting in a godly fashion. And that is what they're taught, their talk. The term is interesting to use, and I won't spend the time on it, but I will tell you that this term that's used for malicious gossip here is used 34 times in scripture of Satan. It is used as a slant, the one who slanders God, the one who falsely accuses people. And women are not to be that way. They are to be godly in their behavior. They are to be centered on doing what God would have them to do. And lastly, as we come to it, um, as we come to this section, we see that they are not to be, there's two more, they are not to be enslaved with much wine. They are not to be controlled by alcohol. So the older women, again, are to be examples in their behavior, in their speech. They are not to be enslaved or, or drunken and involved or controlled by alcohol. And then fourthly, I think this is so, so important, they are to be involved in teaching what is good. That's what it says. So that they may encourage, or at the end of the verse, I'm sorry, the end of verse three, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women. Older women, you have a tremendous role in the church. What is that? Teaching. Yes, we know. And in a church like this, you know that it is the men who should be in the leadership positions. And, but does that mean women can't teach at all? No, it doesn't. Women ought to be actively involved in teaching. Actively involved in teaching who? Younger women. Young and, younger women. They are to teach that which is good. What should come out of them is, is that they are teaching the younger women how to behave. And we will see more of that when it deals with the younger woman next as to some specifics as to what that involves. The older women have been through things. They've been through childbearing. They've been through difficult situations in the family, out of the family. 
They've seen financial, they've seen social, they've seen all of that. Younger women are coming along. It, it's very interesting, and I'm sure you can relate to that. Uh, I did it the same way, and my wife did, but when we had our first child, no matter what anyone says, you can read all the books, you can, you can go to all the educational seminars on it, and so forth, but until you become a parent, you don't know what it's like to be a parent. And it's great to watch first-time parents. They are panicking when the baby turns. They are panicking when the baby turns the other way, when the baby coughs. Is this right? They still alive? Is that? And by the time you get to have the third, fourth, or in some cases the sixth or seventh, you know, then it's, I, I quote someone who very well said when something was wrong, something's wrong with so-so. Are they bleeding and breathing? And the answer was yes, they're okay. <laughs> but the first child, that same parent, it was not that way. You know, you begin to learn. And what am I saying? As young uh, women go into parenting, as they go into marriage, they really need some answers. And who are they going to look to? They're going to look to older women. So all of this to say as I wrap it up this morning, we need it as a whole congregation to have respect on those that are senior saints. We need to look up to them. We need to honor them. And senior saints, and I include myself in that category, men, we're to continue on in a ministry. We're to continue on. And we're to be examples, and we're to be actively living for God. Older women, you're to be actively involved in living for God and involved in one another's life for the glory of God. That's how the body's to function. And it begins with the leadership, yes, but it also filters right down in the practical ways into the local assembly. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the time today to be into the word of God. And I pray, Father, and ask that you would help us in our families, help us in our local assembly, and help us in the universal body of Christ to, Father, honor those who have spent many years and are now senior citizens and senior saints and have served our country, have served our families, have served our local church. Help us to honor them. Help, them to treat, help us to treat them with respect. Help our children to look up to them. And I pray the older women, that we would look up to them as well, and that, Father, both the men and the women would, by their behaviors, Lord, be examples. That by our speech and what we say, what we listen to, that in our teaching, we would be involved actively in teaching the younger people, both men and women, so that they, Father, would honor you. Help us to call upon the experiences of life, and as David did, to remember when he was old that you had never deserted him, and that, Father, you were still faithful, and he was still relying on your power. Help us to do that in old age. Help us not to see ourselves as useless. Help us not to see ourselves as not a part of the active body of Christ, but even our senior saints, help them to be active in praying in ways that they can so that the ministry of Jesus Christ would carry on for the glory of God. Help us all with this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.